Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, bless our words as we share today as a family. Why don't you just grab the hand of the person next to you? Father, we just declare family and community over this church. And I thank you, Lord, that when one hurts, we all hurt. And our thoughts are right now with every one of you. Many of you have families that are trapped, families that are, uh, are trying to evacuate. Many of you are affected by what's going on in our nation right now. And Father, just let the grace flow through each other's hands to one another. As we link hands together in holy communion, in strength together, as brothers and sisters, we stand. And now, Lord, we ask that you pour out your strength on us. Because, Lord, we know that many of the things we're facing as a nation right now are beyond human strength. And we need more than ever for your grace and your empowerment and the revelation of your love to flow onto our, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Thank you right now that right across our nation, people are falling to their knees. Atheists are beginning to pray. People are realising that there is a God in heaven who controls things that they cannot control. And we ask, Lord, for a massive revival to come out of this in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of souls to come out of this place and find you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. We thank you, Father. How many people know that who come from dysfunctional families, that when things go wrong, we don't talk about it? When things go wrong, we put a, you know, we put a wardrobe over the hole in the wall and we don't talk about it. Well, we're not a dysfunctional family, are we? This week we've gone through a lot individually, but we've gone through a lot as a family, as a church family, and us personally as a family. Probably I'd say, you know, I'd say up the top of the hardest things we've ever faced in our lives this week. But I want to tell you right now that our God is good and He never fails us and He never leaves us and He never forsakes us. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a little background, then we're going to play you something so you get an understanding of, of what we went through for those of you who haven't seen any of the uh, footage or the Facebook updates or anything. <clears throat> Julian, Andrew and the kids went off on a dream holiday for seven weeks. They were going to travel the south coast with Andrew's sister and brother-in-law, seven kids in total, two caravans, two, two you know, great cars. <clears throat> they had everything in their vans already, you know, everything they needed for this great holiday. And they'd been looking forward to this for a few years, to tell you the truth. It was like a dream holiday. They were seven weeks. They were just going to cut out. They worked both very hard and just have time out with their family. They they went down. They, they actually got an opportunity to stay on uh, a property that was owned by a doctor. He had a great property and they were right on Lake Conjola 
their caravans and their cars parked right on the lake. There's one road in, one road out. They had no communication with the outside world. There was no reception, no phones, no nothing. But they realized when they saw some smoke and they started to see smoke building up that perhaps fires were coming close. These fires that surrounded Lake Conjola were traveling at 80 kilometers an hour and turned into a what they call a fire tornado. And it just went into a great tornado and just traveled so fast that no one had time to prepare or get out. And Jill and Andrew are there in the midst of this, watching this come towards them. They're with their brother-in-law who's a firefighter. He's got a hose. He's trying to just put out embers that are falling. They're right on the edge of a lake. The people that owned the house had already locked up the house and they'd gone. There was a boat there, but they hadn't put it in the water. It was still on a, a boat, you know, trailer and hadn't been put in the water. There was no way of getting the boat in the water. There's no, no way of running the boat. There was no keys. There was nothing. They were basically trapped and the fire was coming towards them at a, spe- a great speed. Jilly would remembered, you know, some things to do. She got all everyone in cotton clothes. She got tea towels and cloths to put over their mouths. She remembers some things she'd been told. Got all the kids together. First put them into a caravan, locked them in there put air conditioning, sealed up all the, the um, you're right, Jill, am I telling the story all right? Yeah. Sealed up all the, the vents so that the smoke wouldn't come in, hoping they could just hang out there and hope the fire didn't come any closer. But the fire came closer. She ran out, got all the kids into a car, was about to drive out, realised there's no way out. And, um, and then at the last second... They started yelling, Andrew started yelling, get the kids in the water now. And that was, the fire was coming towards them. They were surrounded. That was just them and the lake. And Jilly was, and Andrew running the kids, all the kids and Rachel and Locke running towards the water. And Lockie was still trying to put the fire out. And just then they saw a boat come around the corner. And this man yelled out to them, get in the boat now. And the boat was a fair distance from the jetty. He couldn't get close. And literally, these guys had to pick their kids up and throw them to this man in the boat. And he caught them all and got them into the boat. And they sat out in the middle of a, of a lake that was surrounded by fire completely for hours and hours. The heat in the middle of the lake was so intense, they felt like they were in a furnace. The oxygen was quickly diminishing. And right at that moment, they knew they needed God. Who knows that? Just watch a little bit of this current affair, what they said, and then I'm going to share with you about it. It was a much smaller boat that ended up being the saviour for these families in Lake Conjola. The blokes behind this miraculous escape with the bushfires fast approaching are now being rightly hailed as heroes. Stranded like refugees on the water. 14 people and two dogs crammed into a tiny tinny meant for six. A desperate rescue effort to save a family. The kids were just frantic. Frantic. 
and the heroes who came to the rescue forced to leave behind loved ones and watch their own homes burn. It was apocalyptic. It was awful. I've never seen... Yeah, India would never wish your worst enemy to go through it. The locals in Lake Conjola knew there were fires nearby, but for the Cripps family, it was just minutes before flames were on their doorstep. And then we just got a text just no, I got a warning text. A warning text. But it just about hit the top of the house by then. Saw huge flames, are probably 50 foot high, 60 foot high. Brett saw the danger coming from his boat. I just immediately turned around because I had Peter, our next door neighbour at the time, in the boat and um, just yelled out to, to Dad and Shirley, you've got to get in the boat, we've got to go. The flames were coming quick and soon others were in danger. So we came across these children playing and their parents and they were oblivious to what was going on around the corner. When we started shouting at them, get to the water, get to the water, the next thing, the, the, scene, the flames came around. I said, you've got to get in the boat. I don't care how many of you there is. Just get in the boat. I don't care what you do. We just kept shouting, get in, get in. They pulled away just in the nick of time. We weren't away from the, the pier when the flames were on where they were. And... The kids were just frantic, frantic. But they were so appreciative parents of us just you know it was just like wow I mean, this wasn't a big boat it's a pretty small boat it was just it was pretty cramped it was pretty cozy in there five hours they spent trapped together watching everything around them burn and all you could hear was trees crumbling popping gas bottles With popping gas bottles, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the smoke got worse so I just we wanted you to share with you the intensity of that so that you would know how great God is and this is my question to you. How would you react in the middle there with your family, with your children? You're in that crisis situation. I want to tell you how my kids reacted because I am so proud of them. I'll tell you what they did. They told the kids a story because deep inside of them, there was enough Bible inside of them. There was enough God stored up inside of them that in the midst of crisis, it wasn't fear that came out. It wasn't panic that came out. It was God's word that came out. And the kids are sitting in this boat, and this is the story they told the kids. This is in Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, Governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officers to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the fire. Some people are saying there was images of evil faces in the fire, you know, and that kind of thing. And so the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, etc., etc., all with the provincial officers. Assembled for the dedication of the image that God, that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then they heard loudly proclaim, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all the kinds of music, 
You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. You must fall down and worship the fear. You must fall down and worship what's coming against you. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the fire engine, the alarms, when you hear these things and all kinds of noises, if you're, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image of my, I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we, don't, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, Your Majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, the royal advisors, 
crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was there a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and they defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That was the story that my daughter told her children in the middle of that And it was in her spirit, it was in her, because she'd already put it in there. They already regularly tell their kids Bible stories. They've taught their kids how to pray. They've taught their kids how to stand. And in the midst of that, there was God right there. And then then they said to the kids, can you see a fourth man in the fire? And all the kids said, we see Jesus, mummy. We see Jesus in the fire. And then they said, then we're going to be okay, aren't we? I mean, that's powerful, guys. This is a powerful testimony. And I believe that through these fires, many testimonies will come out that will prove to this nation and to the world that our God is the only God who can save, that our God is the only God who can deliver that our God is the only God who is in control when everything around us seems out of control. This is a story of bravery. And we talk about the guy on the boat coming around. He says at the end of that interview, he says, I have no idea why I needed to go around that bend. It was just meant to be. It was just meant to be. That guy was separated from his wife His wife was somewhere in that fire, in her car, and he saved our kids. God, it was just meant to be. God sent an angel in the midst of it, amen? And he was brave and he was a hero. But I'm saying my kids were heroes. My daughter, my son-in-law were heroes. Because this was not a war of self-reliance. This isn't something that you can dig in. Every parent, every parent in this room, every person in this room can feel what it feels like to know that you are facing what they faced. It's it's your greatest fear, isn't it? My kids. I mean, take me, but don't take my kids. It's your greatest fear. It's a protection that you have. But they didn't go into self-protection They didn't go into, you know, philosophies of men, you know, kids, we just have to stay brave, you know, kids. No, they went to the Word of God. And the kids found peace in the Word of God. You know, you have to understand, there was no way of fighting this in the natural. There's no way out. 
even out on that boat in the middle of that lake, the oxygen was quickly going. We're at home. We get a phone call. Julie had her phone in a pocket somehow. Somehow she got reception out in the middle of the lake. We get a phone call. Dad, we're out in the middle of the lake. We're surrounded by fire. We don't think there's a way out. I mean, you imagine what that does to a parent's heart. She's showing us footage. There's no way out in the natural. But each of us have learned how to draw from God because that's how we live. That's how we live our days when things are going good. That's how we live our days when we're living in materialism and comfort and the comforts of our nature. That's how we live our days as a family. We live with God in the midst of comfort so that when we come to these situations, we, we, have, we have petrol in the tank. You know what I mean? You don't want to be stuck in a situation like that and have nothing in the tank. You know, and as Australians, we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable that we think when danger comes, when things happen, we're just not prepared. We haven't got a plan in place. What's the plan in place to have enough of God inside of you to face it through God's eyes and not your own? That's the plan. You want a fire plan? Get God inside of you. Get God inside of you. Get God in your kids. Come out of the comforts of the Australian life and understand that we need an escape plan and it is God. Amen. You have to understand the background of these Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. See, they didn't just suddenly come up against a test where they're not going to worship this idol and they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. If you read the book of Daniel, which is Jilly's favorite book of the Bible, by the way, she's studied it. She's, she's, she's taught on it. I don't know if you know that Jilly probably has the highest education besides Josh in this church in, Bible, in the Bible, in college degree in Bible. That's her favorite book. So she studied that book. But if you read that book, you would know that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went through many trials and many testings before they faced this one. It wasn't just all of a sudden, oh my gosh, we're facing a fiery furnace. It was like they were faithful with not eating the king's food. They were faithful with praying every day when they weren't supposed to be praying. They were faithful with no compromise in the smaller issues before they faced the big giant. Yeah? They were faithful in those things. They were people that said no compromise. The world around us might be accepting this and accepting that and accepting this, but we're not compromising. We might be in a Babylonian system that is trying to teach us their ways. We might have been kidnapped and exiled out of our country. But I want to tell you this, we will not bow our knee to the world that is around us. We will serve the living God and we will continue to worship Him. We won't eat your food defiled. We don't care if we die and if we perish. They didn't eat the food. Then they were proven to be 10 times stronger than all the other men who ate the defiled food. They still prayed, even though they said they were going to be thrown to the lions. Daniel gets thrown to the lions, the lions' mouths get shut. I mean, these guys have gone through so much stuff before this fiery furnace and they tested true because of no compromise. It's time for no compromise. 
It's time for us to be the church. Amen. I'm speaking to you like a prophet this morning. And I'm speaking to you like a mother. And I'm speaking to you like a pastor, I hope. Because I want the best. I want you, every one of you, if you're ever faced with a situation like that, that you would react like my kids reacted. That you would react like that because you put the Word of God inside of you. Amen. You know, I, many times I've been over to the, to the house with the kids and, and Andrew's got them learning scriptures. He has them learning Bible verses, memory verses. They even know, you know, I think they even know Bible verses in other languages. Like they just putting it in there. When they're there, you know, their rule is everybody sits at the table and we pray before we eat. We pray together as a family every day, every meal time. This is, our, this is the way we live. When the kids face stuff at school with the changing, the changing things that were happening in their school and they had friends that were identifying different genders and all these things going on, they knew the truth and they could love from that truth and not judge, but they knew the, the truth of the boundaries that were set for them by their parents because their parents had trained their children in the way they should go. They taught them to pray. They've helped them to understand the changing world without compromise. You know, on Halloween, when all their friends were getting lollies and compromise, you know, they said, no, we don't do that in our house. We love those people. We don't do that in our house because we're not compromising to what's around us. I have a question for you. In the same situation, would you be able to draw on what you have hidden in your heart as a mother, as a parent, or as a responsible adult? You know, David says in Psalms, I have hidden your word in my heart. And when you put the word of God in here, when you put close relationship with God in here, you don't have to try and struggle to find it when you face these situations. It just comes out what you've put in. You don't put in, you don't get out. You put in. What was it like for us as parents? We get the phone call. They're in the boat. They're stuck in the water. We're trying to contact them. The phones are going down. There's intermittent, you know, times where we can contact them where we can't. And then we hear that they managed to get off the boat and they'd gone back to this house where they were camping. They'd looked at their their there where they had been everything was melted just melted caravans cars just running running with 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 metal on the ground everything gone they went back and they had to stay in this house the people's house where where it was their property sleeping on the floor they were trapped in there there was no way out for a few days we're trying to contact them. They can only go down and walk every so often, contact us. And we just said, we're coming to get you. There's no way in. There's no way out. We're coming to get you. Because our God will make a way. Amen. So I just, we just go like, we need three cars. There's, 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 how many of them was there? Eleven. Eleven of them. We need three cars and we need cars that have got car seats. There's five children that need car seats to get back. 
And so we're organising all these cars to get down there. We know we have to drive through fire. We know we have to drive through danger. I rang my friend Craig Stevens from the Salvation Army. How many of you know that it's good to have a network before you face trouble? I mean, so many churches are independent and they only move with their own movements. But I'm telling you, we've got such relationship on the Central Coast between churches that my brothers and sisters were right there to help us. Salvation Army said, we've got a bus, you can have it. They gave us a petrol card, unlimited petrol. Go get your kids. It was a 14-seater bus. Phil and I got in it. We drove down there. We could only get as far as Nowra because South Nowra, there was fires across the freeway. There was two fires across the freeway. We got as far as Nowra and we just went, what are we going to do here? We get another phone call from Tim Lowe, one of our great ministry friends in Sydney. He says, I've got a brother, I've got a cousin that lives in Bega. He's a pastor. He'll help you out. Yeah, Barry, what did I say? Oh, Bega. No, I don't want to go there. In Berry. And so we turn up at Berry. This pastor comes to meet us. He said, look, my house is completely full. All the people of my family that have been evacuated are in my house. But, you know, would you mind sleeping in a homeless refuge that we own? Um, uh, there's no people in there right now. You know, it's locked up for Christmas, but there's a bed. You know, God, in the middle, there was no accommodation. There was nowhere where you could lay your head. We couldn't sleep in this van. There was just no room. This old van, it was very skinny, no floor room. And, and so our friend put us up. I've experienced a homeless refuge, what it feels like to sleep among the bugs and the cockroaches and whatever else was in there. But you know what? I didn't give a rip because I was on my way to get my kids. Do you know what I mean? We didn't sleep that much. We're in this refuge. There was homeless people knocking, trying to get in. There was crack addicts yelling at us. It was, it was an interesting night, let me tell you that. We didn't sleep much. We're waiting for the kids because we've got no reception. Like, we're just waiting for these roads. I'm checking the phones. When's this road going to open? I'm praying. As all of you were for these roads to open, thank you for your prayers for these roads to open. And then 6 o'clock in the morning, we get the word, the road's open, go now. So we got in that van. We're an hour away from the kids. We're driving through thick smoke. We're driving through devastated areas. We get to where the kids are turning down um, to Conjola. It's one road in, one road out, and it's stopped. The traffic stopped. They're not letting people in. And we're going, no, God, you're going to open it. You're going to open it, and you're going to let us in. And we're there. We're about, you know, seven cars waiting on the side of the highway, waiting to get in. You're going to open it in Jesus' name. It will open in the name of Jesus. We command that road to open. Next minute they say, we're letting a couple of cars in at a time with police escort only. Only if you've got family in there, you want to get out. We're going, we've got family, we want to get out. Get us in there. We've got a police escort to go in. We're driving through. We can't find the caravan park. There's chaos everywhere. There's black as far as the eye can see. There's still fires. There's still smoldering stuff. People are running everywhere. It's just chaos. I drive right, we drive right down to the end of this road. This guy says, just keep going as far as you can go. I pull into this caravan. I looked over and I saw Jilly. And I just jumped out of that car and just ran to my daughter and we held each other. And I knew right then how good my God is. I didn't care if we were stuck in there together. I just knew I was with my kids. I was with my grandkids. That's all I wanted to do is be with them. How many mothers feel that? Amen. If I perish, I perish, but I'm with my kids. Amen. And so we got down there. All the grandkids came out. 
And we realised that the kids had been moved from this house (coughs) to a local caravan park who had given them two cabins free. All the local people in the caravans there, even though they were facing danger themselves, had bought clothes out. They bought food. You know, they, they just had the clothes they were wearing. They were completely trashed. They walked around and they saw there was a big tent there. And the tent was, what's it called? Scripture Union was there on site. And Julie said to her sister-in-law, we have to just eat our pride and go ask for food because we're starving. And they walked in there and said, I'm sorry, guys, have you got any food left over? They said, but what just so happens, we've got a feast left over. And they sat them down, the whole lot of them, the whole two families, served them the kids' favourite meal, spaghetti bolognese and dessert and, and just waited on them and spoiled them and loved on them. I mean, they were just right there with them. I mean, these, they, there was families coming out just saying, here, have the clothes off our back. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you clothes. It was just an amazing time. And so we got them all in the van and then, then realised that there was a lot of people trying to get out. And three, three and a half hours, we sat in a line in the van, all in there, coming in and out of the van to get reprieve. But with three and a half hours sat there just trying to move about half a K, I think we moved in three and a half K, uh, three and a half hours. And then we realised that we had another car. The kids had another car that had been loaned to them by the house they were staying in. And they said, we need to get this car back because they want to get out. These people want to get out and they need their car. So Andrew and and Lockie went up to the police and said, we need to get this car up the hill because the roads are now closed again, right? It's closed again. We can't get out. We're stuck. So we need to get this car up the hill to give it back to these people that live up there so they can get out. So they said, all right, police escort, we'll escort you up there. No one else is allowed out. They said, can we take a van as well with us? Yep, hurry up. And the two cars we pulled out, I don't know how many hundreds of cars were stuck. We drove past them all. I mean, I I love those people. I'm not boasting about leaving them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying how good God is, amen. And he got us right past all of that. We got right up. We drove through the most horrid place. We got to the place where they'd been staying. We, we dropped the car off. We saw all the caravan, where they had been. It was the most horrible sight I've ever seen in my life. And we got back up to the top of the road. Now, we should have gone left and gone back down to Conjola because the road was shut. But I heard the voice of God clearly in my head say, turn right and put your foot down and go. And the boys, both you both said, didn't you? Put your foot down and go. We all heard God say that. And so we, we put our foot down. We're going through this road that's shut. There's emergency services, police, everything, trees everywhere. We're just putting our foot down. We're tr- no one saw us. Not one person put their hand up and said, hey, you shouldn't be here. We were invisible. We drove right through there and got out to the Princess Highway. We got to the Princess Highway. And they said, there's no way you can go north. There's a fire coming. You have to go left and go south or you go back in. And and again, I heard God's voice clearly. When you've got to practice hearing the voice of God, you've got to know His voice and act on it like that. 
And because this guy was saying, get out of here now, left or back, go now. You've got to get out now. And I heard God's voice clearly say, go left, go south. So we went left, we went south and we were able to get supplies and fill the van up with supplies. Gillian, her major organisation skills went out and got all this food. I don't know how she could even think about it. She planned meals and we knew we were going to be in that van a long time. And then we decided that we're going to turn around, we're going to get in that, in that line of, of 4,000 cars trying to get out But God told us, stay in the line and don't move. Stay in the line, don't move. People were ringing up, go and get accommodation. Just sleep somewhere for the night and then try again tomorrow. And in my head, God kept saying, don't move. Stay in that line, don't move. And so we were there. I think it was a a total of 13 hours waiting. 13 hours, but 18 hours in total we were on that road. 13 hours, and in that 13 hours, we probably moved a few metres. Um... And as Phil said, people are coming out. They were letting us use their bathrooms. They were giving us water. I mean, talk about the Aussie spirit. I have never had so much confidence in mateship that I saw down there. I mean, they were, there was people there that were giving food. Then I saw my daughter with the food that we had to feed the kids. The kids had had a sandwich. And I saw my daughter go, look, there's old people up there that haven't eaten. There's kids down there. She's making sandwiches. She's feeding all the lions of people. In the midst of her chaos and in the midst of this mess, again, God comes out. God comes out in her and her compassionate nature starts feeding people, starts giving the food away that we should have stored that up. We didn't know how long we were going to be in that van. We, didn't, we could have been there for days and had, we had no breakfast the next morning. It was all gone. We gave it all away. And my daughter, I'm so proud of you, Julie. Your generous nature, Andrew, you're so giving, so faithful and trustworthy. Anyway, we're sleeping in this van. You can imagine we've got seven kids all under 10 in the 14-seater bus and all us adults with our legs out the windows trying to sleep and the kids, we'd just get one cell and another one to go off. We'd get another one cell and another one to go off. It was, a, it was a long night. Three o'clock in the morning, we get the word from Katrina Shaw, I don't know her married name, who used to come to this church, who's now a police officer. She sends me a Facebook thing another great person and says, Julie, I'm just letting you know they're going to open the road soon. They're only letting 200 cards through. You've got to get through. By the grace of God, we were amongst those cars that got through because we stayed in that line. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to hear the voice of God. You've got to hear the voice. Do you know what it felt like to move on that road, to get our family out of that place? When we're hearing there's major evacuation, you can't stay in the south coast. You've got to get out of here now. Every tourist needs to get out. We're trying to get out. We're stuck. But even when you're stuck, even when you're in a fiery furnace, our God is a God who is in control. Amen. And I want to quickly just go through this. I want to ask you these two questions and I'm going to finish. Number one, the first question I want to ask you is, who is in control really? When it comes, push comes to shove, who's really in control? Have you really given over control 
to God. Look at these quick scriptures quickly. So that from the rising of the sun to the place of the setting, people may know that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Again, in His hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. In His hand, not in your hand, not in the hand of your things and your possessions. It's in His hand. The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will happen. Amen. And this is the other question I want to ask you. Who do you trust? Who do you really trust when it comes down to it? When the kids got into the van and we're all in there, we're trying to keep the kids quiet. And I didn't know that Jillie and Andrew had told them this story while they were out there on the water. I didn't know. And so Jilly says, come on, kids, let's tell stories. Let's tell stories. And little Paris, who's six years old, she said, I want to tell the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And she told us the story. And then she said, Nanny, there were four men in the fire, and Jesus was with us in the fire. At six years old, she knew that. Who do you really trust? Look at this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Be blessed. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of doubt and never fails to bear fruit. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And so we know and rely on the love of God has given us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God is in them. And when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song, I will praise Him. Keep me safe, my God, for in You I take refuge. In You I take refuge. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in You. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am with you. Amen. I was sitting in my chair, and I'll just have the worship team come up. That's okay. We got home. Everyone's safe. You know, all you want to do is just switch off everything. You know, the first instinct, just go watch a movie, shut off, do something to just shut everything out. And the Lord calls me, He calls me. He said, come with me. Come with me. Come away with me and let me feel you again. And I sat in my chair and I thought, oh, I need to play a song. And I remembered Melly had sent me a song. Melly and Warren had sent me a song in the middle of it all. And I just didn't have time to listen to it. So I put this song on and I just sat there crying and crying and crying when I realised the goodness of God 
when I realised that our God is the one true God and that He can and will deliver us. These are the lyrics of the song. Who can melt the hardest heart and speak life into my soul? Who can spin the world around and hold me ever close? Who can search the depths of me and love me to the core? And who controls the world I see and walks me through it all? No one but you. No one but you. Last week when I didn't know what was about to happen, on New Year's Day, last Sunday, I wanted to bring a communion message and I had a communion message prepared and the Lord said to me, I want you to speak about being still and knowing that I am God. I want you to speak about that there are four men in the fires. I want you to speak about that I am God and I am with you. I had no idea what we were about to face when I did a communion message on this very subject last Sunday. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And I explained that the Hebrew root word for be still is this, let go. Let go and know that I am God. And uh, I I think we do need to hear from Andrew. Angeli, if you want, just for a few moments, uh, they just need to do a bit of a debrief with us. One minute. Thank you, everybody. We um, thank you, Pastor Jill. Amazing. We just want to say a huge thank you to our church family. And uh, we're out of reception for three days. And uh, we got back to, uh, my phone was lit up. Even last night, I got so many voicemails from people just saying, hey, we're praying for you. We're with you. Um, last night, we received a whole, it was overwhelming for us. We received a whole, um, like, like, food and money and cards and text messages and uh, we felt loved we felt supported and uh it was just phenomenal we did we spoke to a lot of the town people just after it happened and uh, i tell you god is with you and god is for you and uh the bible says if god is for you who or what can be against you and even though i walk through the fire i'm with you and uh, i tell you we were surrounded by people that came out to us and said, hey, wow, what a bad day. You just lost everything. Wow, what a bad day. This must be, you must be heartbroken. You've, you've lost everything. And we said, today, we didn't lose. Today, we won. Today, we, we got our kids out. We got our wife out. We got our wives out. We got our kids out. We didn't lose. I remember walking back through, after it all happened, we walked back through where it all was like that. And this sense of God is right there. I'm walking through, looking at all our burnt stuff, and I didn't even care. I didn't care at all. Not at all. I actually had joy inside, saying, God, you saved us. You're with us. My stuff, my possessions, guess what? It means nothing. It actually means nothing. And uh, to see the the generosity and the generous spirit of people coming out meant everything. Absolutely everything. And we walked through that site, and I had joy in my heart. I had, fr- I'd, I had faith and love and hope, knowing that God is with us. God was protecting us. Got this sense that you can't be stopped. When God's on your side, regardless of what comes through, regardless of what comes at you, guess what? 
you can't be stopped. I'm telling you, when God is with you, no man can stop what God has planned for that. And I just remember walking through, seeing all that stuff and saying, God, you are so great. God, you are so good. We lost little compared to what others lost. Others lost houses. Others don't know where family members are. Others lost so much more. And our guy came around the corner, an angel, no doubt in my mind, an angel sent by the Lord to to rescue us. But I, before I, before I guys want to, what I got out of the whole thing was that all your stuff, all your possessions, your car, you know, oh, we saved our car, but we lost one of our family members. You know, our, our stuff compared to family members and loved ones, we didn't lose, absolutely no doubt. Don't feel sorry for us. We didn't lose. We won today, no doubt in my mind, we won. We got out our loved nearly slipped. We got out our loved ones and uh, God is with us. It's amazing. And Jilly, unbelievable, don't know how. Uh, so calm, so collected, so amazing. Jilly's the real Christian in our family. We're running one way, running the other. We're going back to the same way, back to the other. And uh, without Jilly, I don't know what would happen. Just just rock solid, tough nut, and uh, unbelievably a strength and an anchor, no doubt. We don't know suffering as Australians, really. You know, we listen to our story like that, but really, it's, that's not suffering. When we were on the boat, we honestly didn't know if we were going to live or die, honest. But do you know that we, when we reflect on that moment, there wasn't an ounce of fear, and I'm not, I'm not even joking. It's the weirdest feeling, but we had no fear. We just knew that whether we lived or whether we died, we would be with God. He was always with us. And I know that, you know, so many of us have families and we're watching the news and there's people being, you know, the, the fires are still raging around us. It's not over. But we just, we can't let the spirit of the world creep in and overtake us. We can't let fear take over. And so even singing Peace Be Still, it's not just a thing. It's not just out there. It's something that's within you. I stood in that caravan just before I had to throw my children out of the caravan and I just just said, God, I need you right now. I need you. And, you know, I think I don't want you to be fearful from this story. I don't want you to carry fear and I don't want you to carry sadness because do you know what? Whether we live or whether we die, we have Jesus, we have God, we will go to be with Him. There is no space for fear at all. But I do ask you that you stay prayerful, that you pray for every single person that's trapped, that's being affected, that's lost their homes. It is the strangest feeling to be just walking randomly with nothing with nowhere to go, with nothing to eat. It's just weird. But I know there's so many people that are still doing that. I know there's family members that you're worried about. I know there's friends that you're worried about. So be prayerful, but but give. Donate to, you know, the fireys and, and give your things to Salvation Army. And, you know, just be mindful, be aware, be listening to people that are in need. Don't close off. 
don't pretend it's not happening. And um, we would definitely be doing something with C3 Cares. We would definitely be doing something. We would definitely be going there to help and, and give in any way we need to. But I want you to know that, that it's inside all of us that you don't, you don't have, there's no space for fear when you have Jesus in there. So don't be fearful. Can I just pray to close? Is that okay? Let's do that. That uh, God would fill us this time with hope and that we'll be a light to shine. That uh, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what happened, God, you're with us and you're for us. Lord, we thank you today, uh, Lord, that we are in a family here, C3 Church Tugra. And uh, what a family. Lord, we've, we've felt so blessed and so loved and uh, so cared for and uh, received so much generous generosity. But Lord, I pray right now for all the people here right now in C3 Church, Lord, that you would show us, you would reveal to us, Lord, that you are the God of hope. God, you are the God of faith and you are the God of love. Lord, that you fill us even in our darkest days, even when it feels like we may have, we could go one way, we say we've lost everything. God, you fill us with hope of a greater day. Lord, we're reflective how you saved us, you protected us, you kept our loved ones safe. Lord, you are the way. Lord, you are the truth. Lord, you are the life. Lord, that you are all things. God, you created all things. You are in all things. And here's the deal, Lord, you are with us. God, you are leading us. You are guiding us. You are protecting us. Lord, we walk side by side. Lord, we give you, God, all the grace. Lord, we give you all the praise, Lord, that it wasn't us. It wasn't our clever thinking. God, it was you. Jesus, it was you. You were the fourth man in that fire. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've shown us. Lord, you've proven to us that uh, you are with us and you are for us. No matter what we go through, no matter how bad it looks, God, you are right there. And I pray right now that this church, as we leave today, won't go around saying, oh, wow, what a tragedy. Oh, what a wow. What, a, what, a, what happened there? Lord, that hope and faith and love would radiate. Lord, it would radiate out of us that we can be the light, that we can say, Jesus, you are the way. Jesus, you are the truth. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we thank you for how great you are. Lord, for how great you are. Lord, your love knows no end. Your love knows no bounds. And I pray, Lord, right now, today, that all these people, Lord, as we leave today, we'll be hope dispensers. We'll be faith dispensers. We'll be love dispensers that we will go out and share, God, how great, how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. God, you are great. And Lord, I pray today that, Lord, this testimony, these words, Lord, would echo as, Lord, you are the one who saves. Lord, you are the one who protects. Lord, bless these people. Lord, fill us with peace and hope and faith. And Lord, I pray right now that we can actually lean on you more. Lord, that we can lean on you more, that, uh, Lord, we, it would get strengthened and strengthened. And, Lord, we can help others and bless others in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Faith to live like Christ for all our days.